0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Live Through Jesus with Courtney Gilmore. On this episode, the Levites, the Nazarites, and the Second Passover. On-the-job training, retirement, nations, assimilation, and setting ourselves apart for the Lord. Numbers 6, 8, and 9. Now, just as a quick side note, I'll be reading all the scripture references for you, so you're free to just sit back, listen, and absorb, or you can grab your Bible and read along. Most of the time, I'll be reading from the New King James Version, but if I switch, I'll let you know. There's generally a blog post for each one of these lessons on my website, livethroughjesus.com, and all of the past studies are done in writing and available to purchase there for under $5. Since I'm writing as I go along, the current study may not be there quite yet, but it definitely will be available to purchase once all of the episodes for it are complete. I'll try to let you know, but you can also just check the website periodically, maybe each week when a new blog post comes out. If you'd like for me to email you whenever a new blog post or a new study comes out, then email me at Courtney at and I'll put you on the email list. Okay, so now that all that's out of the way, let's get started on this week's lesson. In the last episode, we talked about the rules for sacrifices and for the priests. And if you missed that episode, you might want to go back and listen to it because we talked about how the priests were representatives of God to the people, and how we also are representatives of God to others, and that we're supposed to show His character to the world. And the only way we can do that is by spending time with him, getting to know him more, and allowing his spirit to produce his characteristics within us. This week, we're going to get back to the narrative of the Israelites. And so, if you remember, whenever they left Egypt, God said, this will be the first month of your year. They left on the 15th day of the first month of their year. And so the tabernacle was erected on the first day of the first month. So just 15 days shy of one year after they left Egypt. And after the tabernacle was erected, they anointed it and all of the holy things and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And then Aaron and his sons were consecrated as priests in a week-long ceremony after that. And during that time, they were given the rules for their conduct and their service and the sacrifices and the days to observe. And that's what we've been going over for the past several weeks. And then they were also given the laws for the nation, which we will go over in a later study. And during this week of the priest's consecration, one tribe each day brought offerings to the tabernacle And that lasted for 12 days. Now, what we're going to read about today is just after the 12 days when the Levites were set aside for the service of God. And then on the 14th day, they celebrated the Passover. And if you remember, this was the night when they placed their faith in God and obeyed him by killing the Passover lamb. This was the last plague that was sent on the Egyptians. Because they had refused to acknowledge God's power and His authority, God killed all of their firstborn sons. But He did not kill the firstborn sons of the Israelites. He instead told them to sacrifice a lamb in their son's place and then place that blood over the door frame of their houses And when the angel of death passed through and saw the blood on their doorframe, he would know that death had already come to that house and he would pass over it. That's the reason it's called the Passover. So this had happened on the 14th day of their first month, the year before. And after that happened, the Egyptians rushed them out of their land. And that was the Exodus. And from that moment on, God commanded them to set their firstborn aside to him. And then he told them that every year on this exact day, they were to celebrate the Passover, reminding themselves of how the Lord passed over their house and delivered them out of Egypt. And so I'm going to read Numbers 9, 1 through 5. And this is just God telling them to celebrate the Passover. So it says, Now the Lord spoke to Moses in the wilderness of Sinai in the first month on the second year after they came out of the land of Egypt, saying, Let the children of Israel keep the Passover at its appointed time. On the fourteenth day of this month at twilight, you shall keep it at its appointed time. According to all its rites and ceremonies, you shall keep it. So Moses told the children of Israel that they should keep the Passover and they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the first month at twilight in the wilderness of Sinai, according to all that the Lord had commanded Moses, so the children of Israel did. So that just says what I just told you. So after the Exodus, they had been commanded to set their firstborn aside to him. But after they built the tabernacle, God took the Levites as his own in place of the firstborn sons. And he said, this is done so that you won't suffer the same plagues as the Egyptians. You are giving me your sons, but I'm redeeming them with the Levites. So let's read that passage. This is Numbers 8, beginning in verse 14. Thus you shall separate the Levites from among the children of Israel, and the Levites shall be mine. After that, the Levites shall go in to service the tabernacle of meeting. So you shall cleanse them and offer them like a wave offering, for they are wholly given to me from among the children of Israel. I've taken them for myself instead of all who open the womb, the firstborn of the children of Israel for the firstborn among the children of israel are mine both men and beasts on the day that i struck all the firstborn in the land of egypt i sanctified them to myself i have taken the levites instead of all the firstborn of the children of israel And I've given the Levites as a gift to Aaron and his sons from among the children of Israel to do the work for the children of Israel in the tabernacle of meeting and make atonement for the children of Israel, that there be no plague among the children of Israel when the children of Israel come near the sanctuary. Thus Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel did to the Levites, according to all that the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites. So the children of Israel did to them. And the Levites purified themselves and washed their clothes. Then Aaron presented them like a wave offering before the Lord, and Aaron made atonement for them to cleanse them. After that, the Levites went to do their work in the tabernacle of meeting before Aaron and his sons. As the Lord commanded Moses concerning the Levites, so they did to them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, From twenty-five years old and above, one may enter to perform service in the work of the tabernacle of meeting. And at the age of fifty years, they must cease performing this work with their brethren in the tabernacle of meeting, and shall work no more. They may minister with their brethren in the tabernacle of meeting to attend to needs, but they themselves shall do no work. Thus you shall do to the Levites regarding their duties." So God has set them aside as his own and given them as a gift to the priests for the work of the tabernacle. So the priests are really working for God and the Levites are working for them in the tabernacle. They're doing all the work of the tabernacle and we will discuss in further detail, hopefully next week, if not the following, exactly the work that they did. But here, the only instruction that we have is the age that they were required to work. It says from the age of 25 to 50, they would work in the tabernacle. Now, in Numbers 3, it actually says the age of 30 to 50. And so our assumption is that For the first five years, they worked underneath someone. So they were working in the tabernacle, but they weren't given sole responsibilities there until the age of 30. So they had a little on-the-job training for the first five years. And then after they turned 50, they could no longer serve in an official capacity. They could assist in the tabernacle. It says they can attend to needs, but they themselves shall do no work. So that sounds to me as if they no longer are allowed to have specific responsibilities that belong solely to them, but they can voluntarily help those that are actually doing the work if they so choose. And so before we move on, I want us to remember that this is God setting up his nation. And so what can we learn from this? What can we learn from specifically the age that they were required to work? Does this say anything about qualifications and training on the job? Is that how work's supposed to be done? Are you supposed to be working beneath someone for a period of time? Should our workforce be structured in that way? It's difficult to say that God wants this in every single job, that we're supposed to have specific on the job training for every type of job, but it is the model here. And so we do know that there are at least certain jobs that a good guideline would be, as opposed to having gone to college and studied a lot of general things and maybe a few specific things that. A better practice for that job might be on-the-job training, which we do have jobs like that now. We have certain jobs where they send you to a specific school to learn a specific thing, or you do work under someone to learn the trade for a specific amount of time. And so that's the way that God had this set up for the Levites. Now, does this give us a guideline from retirement? Retirement from our secular careers or retirement from ministry or service to God? Does that say we just need to stop doing everything after we turn 50? Are these ages set in stone? I personally do not think that these ages are set in stone because there are other places in the Bible that give different ages for different work. But I do think that it does support an idea of at least some, again, As with the apprenticeships, not all jobs, but some jobs, there should be some form of retirement as we get older. Their job as Levites specifically had them carrying a lot of things. And so as the men got older, it would make sense for them to hand down the heavy lifting to the younger guys. And so for this particular job, there was an age of retirement. But if you notice, it does say they can still volunteer. They can still do things and be useful. It's just that it's no longer their responsibility. All the weight of it is not on their shoulders. And I do again think that there is a good argument for that type of thing in our society today because after years of working and being solely responsible for that, It's nice to be able to rest a bit from those specific types of responsibilities. But one reason that that is good is because we can then volunteer in ways that we might not would have been able to do whenever we had a full-time job that was requiring a lot of our time and effort. And so retirement should not mean sitting on the couch. It should mean helping out where we're needed in the ways that God has gifted us and being generally useful to others. We are made to work. Work was not a curse. Adam was asked to name the animals, to tend to them, to take care of the earth before the curse ever happened. When the curse happened, it just said, your work's going to be hard now. Before that, it was going to be joyful. And so in a sense, our time before retirement is that hard work, that responsible work. And after we've served a little bit of that time, we have a little bit more ability to enjoy our work, to retire from that responsibility and the weight that's on our shoulders and be able to say, hey, what am I interested in? What did I not have time for before? And make ourselves useful in different ways. Because we always need to feel accomplished and we always need to be working for the kingdom of God, but there's a difference between it being our sole duty and voluntarily serving God and our family and our community. Now, again, does that mean that every single job we have to retire from? No, it doesn't. There may be things that you always do. Maybe you just slow down a bit. Maybe you do them in a different capacity. Maybe you work hard all your life, and that's just who you are. I don't think that this is necessarily pertaining to every single job and every single person. And again, even if we do retire, I think that we need to continue to serve the community and serve the Lord in some capacity. If we're here on this earth and we're not doing anything for God, seems like we might as well just go to heaven, right? <laughs> so... We need to be doing those things. But I do think that this at least supports retirement and keeps us from feeling guilty from taking a little backseat at least. So take that for what it's worth. Do your own research. Think about those things. But those are my thoughts as I'm reading this. Okay, so let's move on. We're going to turn back to a previous passage in Numbers 8 and read it. It is telling us this ceremony that they did in order to separate the Levites from the rest of the people. So we're going to begin reading in verse 5 and read all the way to verse 13. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Take the Levites from among the children of Israel and cleanse them ceremonially. Thus you shall do to them to cleanse them. Sprinkle water of purification on them and let them shave all their body and let them wash their clothes, and so make themselves clean. Then let them take a young bull with its grain offering of fine flour mixed with oil, and you shall take another young bull as a sin offering. And you shall bring the Levites before the tabernacle of meeting, and you shall gather together the whole congregation of the children of Israel. So you shall bring the Levites before the Lord, and the children of Israel shall lay their hands on the Levites. And Aaron shall offer the Levites before the Lord like a wave offering from the children of Israel, that they may perform the work of the Lord. Then the Levites shall lay their hands on the heads of the young bulls, and you shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burn offering to the Lord to make atonement for the Levites. And you shall stand the Levites before Aaron and his sons, and then offer them like a wave offering to the Lord. So just as they'd done a ceremony for the priests to set them aside for the service of God, they also did a ceremony for the Levites to set them aside for God's service. And the first thing that they did was sprinkle them with the water of purification. If you remember, whenever they were anointing the holy things, they would sprinkle the holy things with the blood of the sacrifice, and that would make them pure and holy. So this sprinkling of the Levites with the water purified them so that they were able to handle these holy things that were also pure. And then the next thing that they did is shave their entire bodies. And we're not certain why this happened. But one idea is that they were making their skin smooth to signify that they were returning to the innocence of a child. Maybe that is the reason. It may have just been that the hairier you are, the less clean you are. I don't know. But they shaved their entire bodies and they washed their clothes and they were sprinkled with the water of purification. And then once they were clean, Moses brought them in front of the congregation and the Israelites laid their hands on them. And then Aaron presented them as a wave offering from Israel to the Lord. So a wave offering is usually like, They're waving it in front of God. Look at this. I'm giving this to you. And so when the Israelites laid their hands on the Levites and then Aaron waved them in front of the Lord, this was the Israelites giving the Levites to God in place of their firstborn children. And then the Levites would lay their hands on the head of the two bulls and sacrifice them as a sin offering and a burn offering to make atonement for themselves. So the Israelites were giving the Levites to the Lord in place of their firstborn sons. And the Levites were giving the bulls to the Lord in place of themselves. So this was all done to set the Levites apart for the service of God. Now, we already talked about how God told them to celebrate the Passover. But there were a couple of additional guidelines to the Passover. And so I want to read those to you now. This is verse 6 to 14 in chapter 9. And it says, Now there were certain men who were defiled by a human corpse so that they couldn't keep the Passover on that day. And they came before Moses and Aaron that day. And those men said to him, We became defiled by a human corpse. Why are we kept from presenting the offering of the Lord at its appointed time among the children of Israel? And Moses said, Stand still that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to the children of Israel and say, If any one of you or your posterity is unclean because of a corpse or is far away on a journey, he may still keep the Lord's Passover. On the fourteenth day of the second month, at twilight, they may keep it. They shall keep it with unleavened bread and bitter herbs. They shall leave none of it until morning, nor break one of its bones. According to all the ordinances of the Passover, they shall keep it. But the man who is clean and is not on a journey and ceases to keep the Passover, that same person shall be cut off from among his people, because he didn't bring the offering of the Lord at its appointed time that man shall bear his sin. And if a stranger dwells among you and would keep the Lord's Passover, he must do so according to the rite of the Passover and according to its ceremony. You shall have one ordinance, both for the stranger and the native of the land. So what has happened is that it's time for them to keep the Passover, but some of the men have become unclean because they came in contact with a dead body. And we learned last week that if you come in contact with a dead body, you are not supposed to participate in the sacrifices. And so they had two conflicting rules that God had given them. One rule was that they could not participate in the sacrifice because they had become unclean. But then the other rule was that they had to participate in this sacrificial ceremony because God commanded that they participate in the Passover. So when they went to ask Moses, Moses said, I'm really not sure. Let me talk to God. And so the Lord said, you will keep both. Only you will participate in the Passover in the second month on the 14th day instead of on the first month. And also, if someone happens to be gone on a long journey in the first month of the year and they're unable to participate in the Passover, they also may participate in the Passover during the second month on the 14th day. But anyone that has to do this must keep the Passover exactly as the people do in the first month. But God also says, If you have no excuse, if you are not unclean and you are not on a long journey and you are here, but you choose for some reason not to participate in the Passover, then you have sinned and you must be cut off from your people. You can no longer be part of this nation if you do not participate in the ceremonies of this nation, if you do not follow the laws that I have given to this nation to follow. On the flip side, he said, if a stranger does want to follow these, so even if you are part of this nation in the beginning, if you do not participate in the days and the ceremonies and the ways that God has set this nation up, then you can no longer be a part of this nation. But if you are not a part of this nation already, but you do choose to participate in the ceremonies and the laws that the Lord has set up for this nation, then you can become a part of this nation. If you will worship me and make yourselves like the Israelites by circumcising yourself and then following all of their practices, then you may become a part of this nation. So the nation of Israel was a sovereign nation. They had their own set of laws and their own practices, but they were not exclusionary. If you chose to participate in those things, you were welcome into their nation. But if you did not, whether you were native born or not, you were no longer allowed to participate in their nation. Basically, if you don't like the rules here, you can leave. In order for the nation to stay pure and undivided, everybody had to agree on the laws that God had given them. This nation was founded on God, it belonged to Him, and He set the rules for it. If they allowed people from other nations to come in and not assimilate into their ways, then they would taint them. Eventually, some of the Israelites would also quit following the laws of God. And so God could not allow foreigners to come in and not participate, not follow His laws and follow the guidelines that he set up for this nation. And also, if there were people there that did not want to follow those laws, they also would taint the nation. Remember how we talked about last week, we talked about the holy doesn't need to come in contact with the unholy. The clean doesn't need to come in contact with the unclean. The perfect doesn't need to come in contact with the imperfect. And so it's the same here. Those that did not want to follow the guidelines for the nation did not need to be mixed in with those that did. So again, how does this pertain to us? Can we take any lessons from the way that God set up the nation of Israel in this way? To me, I say yes. I think that a nation has the right to have borders, to decide who can be a part of their nation and who cannot and ask that the people that do join their nation agree to some founding principles. We do not have to agree on everything. We certainly do not all have to be the same race. We do not have to have been born here. We can accept people from all different countries, all different races, all different cultures, but it seems that if they want to be a part of our nation, then they want to be a part of our nation because our nation offers something that theirs does not. And so let's let them buy into that. Let's let them buy into what the nation that they're moving into stands for. Every nation should have a set of founding principles that everyone agrees to. There can be diversity in many, many, many areas. But compromise on certain standards seems to just be a recipe for division. And I'm not sure how long a nation can stand whenever there aren't at least some principles that everyone agrees to. Something that that nation stands for that everyone says, yes, I want to be a part of that nation because of that, and I'll live accordingly. Listen to what it says in Matthew 12, 25. This is Jesus talking and he says, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If a kingdom is divided, then it will bring desolation. If a city is divided against itself, it won't stand. Okay, so last thing we're going to talk about today is the Nazarites. If you notice, God himself set the Levites and the priests aside to be his special servants. They had no choice in the matter. But he also made provision for any man or woman that wanted to separate themselves to him. And so that's what Numbers chapter 6 is talking about. So I want to read you the majority of that chapter now. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses and said, Speak to the children of Israel and say, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. He shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from a similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice or eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation, he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the bow of his separation, no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy. Then he shall let the locks of his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean even for his father or mother, for his brother or his sister when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of the separation he shall be holy to the Lord. And if any one dies very suddenly beside him, and he defiles his consecrated head, then he shall shave his head on the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day he shall shave it. Then on the eighth day he shall bring two turtle dove or two pigeons to the priest, to the door of the tabernacle of meeting. And the priest shall offer one as a sin offering and the other as a burnt offering and make atonement for him, because he sinned in regard to the corpse." And he shall sanctify his head on that same day. He shall consecrate to the Lord the days of his separation and bring a male lamb in the first year as a trespass offering. But the former days shall be lost because his separation was defiled. Now this is the law of the Nazarite. When the days of his separation are fulfilled, he shall be brought to the door of the tabernacle of meeting and he shall present his offering to the Lord, one male lamb in the first year without blemish as a burnt offering one ewe lamb in its first year without blemish as a sin offering one ram without blemish as a peace offering a basket of unleavened bread cakes with fine flour mixed with oil unleavened wafers anointed with oil and their grain offering with their drink offerings then the priests shall bring them before the lord and offer the sin offering and the burnt offering, and he shall offer the ram as a sacrifice of a peace offering to the Lord, with the basket of unleavened bread. And the priest shall also offer its grain offering and its drink offering. Then the Nazarite shall shave his consecrated head at the door of the tabernacle of meeting, and he shall take the hair from the consecrated head and put it on the fire, which is under the sacrifice of the peace offering. And the priest shall take the boiled shoulder of the ram and the unleavened cake from the basket and one unleavened wafer and put them upon the hands of the Levite after he shaved his consecrated hair. And the priests will wave them as a wave offering before the Lord. They are holy for the priests, together with the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heap offering. After that, the Nazarite may drink wine. This is the law of the Nazarite who bows to the Lord, the offering for his separation. And besides that, whatever else his hand is able to provide, according to the vow which he takes, so he must do according to the law of his separation. I know that was a lot, but basically what it's saying is that if someone wants to set themselves apart to God, then they would do all of these things and they would be called a Nazarite. So they would make a vow that I'm going to set myself apart to God for this set amount of time. And then this person would, from that moment until their promise was fulfilled, they would separate themselves from beer and wine and anything that comes from the grapevine. Raisins, grapes, grape juice, grape skins, anything that came from the grapevine. And then it says strong drink. And a lot of people think that that's beer because wine is made from the grapes and beer is made from grain. So all of the alcoholic drinks they are supposed to separate themselves from. And then they also are to grow their hair long, completely opposite of the Levites who had to shave their whole bodies. These men would grow their hair long to symbolize the crown of the Lord over them. Now, they also could not make themselves unclean for any dead body, even their family members. And if someone suddenly died beside them, then it would stop their vow completely and make everything that they had done null and void before that. And they would have to take two turtle dove or two pigeons, one for a sin offering, one for a burn offering, and make atonement for themselves to cleanse them from the uncleanness that they had experienced because of the dead body. And then they would also sacrifice a lamb as a guilt offering. And then they would have to start their vow over completely. Now, when they completely finished their vow, if it did not get interrupted by anything, whenever that vow was complete, then they would do all the sacrifices, right? They would do a sin offering and a burn offering and a peace offering and a grain offering and a drink offering all to the Lord. They would also shave their head and they would burn that hair on the fire as a peace offering to God. These were all the things that a person would do if they chose to set themselves apart for the Lord. Just as there was a ceremony for the Levites and the priests, there's also a ceremony for the Nazarites. And God makes it where you don't have to be a priest or a Levite in order to be separated to God. The people could do that willingly just as a common person from any other tribe. And so last time, what can we learn from this passage? Are we able to set ourselves apart for the service of the Lord now? Yes, we can do that. We can set ourselves apart for ministry for the Lord. And we can also just set ourselves aside denying all of the regular things of this life for a specific amount of time in order to either get ourselves right with Him or to seek Him in some time of special need. Whatever the case may be, if we just need to say, hey, I'm denying all my normal daily responsibilities, all the things that go on in this life that distract me from the Lord, and I'm going to take this specific amount of time away and just say, I'm going to spend this with God. To learn about Him, to enjoy Him, to repent, to seek His guidance, to seek His help, whatever the case may be. We also may feel that God has called us into service for a long period of time in our lives for Him in some sort of ministerial position. And so we can set ourselves apart for that also. So we're going to end by reading several verses about setting ourselves apart for the Lord. So the first one is found in 2 Corinthians 20, 3 and 4. And this is one of the kings and it says, Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So Judah gathered together to ask help from the Lord And from all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. So a fast is a time of denying ourselves even food so that we can just dedicate ourselves to God. And so Jehoshaphat was scared of the enemies that were coming against them. And he declared a fast throughout the whole land of Judah so that they would all spend their time just seeking God and asking him for help. So that's something that we can do too. We can set aside a certain amount of time to say we are going to deny ourselves all the things of this world that we can. We obviously don't neglect our children and things like that, but set ourselves away as much as we can in order to seek God and His help. Now listen to what it says in Ezra eight twenty one. Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might humble ourselves before our God to seek from him the right way for us and our little ones and all our possessions. So Jehoshaphat was fasting and praying for God's help. In this passage, they're setting themselves aside. their fasting and seeking God's guidance. What do we do now? How do we proceed from here? So they take away all distractions and say, God, I'm just seeking for you to tell me what to do, how to handle this situation. Okay, the next passage is Jonah 3, 3 through 10. Now, if you will remember, Jonah has been sent to the city of Nineveh to warn them that they had better get themselves right with God. They are not acting right as a nation, and Jonah is the one that is sent to warn them that if they don't change their ways, God's going to destroy them. So listen to what it says in Jonah 3, 3 through 10. So Jonah arose and he went to Nineveh according to the word of the Lord. Now Nineveh was an exceedingly great city, a three-day journey in extent. And Jonah began to enter the city on the first day's walk. And he cried out and said, Yet forty days and Nineveh will be overthrown. So the people of Nineveh believed God and proclaimed a fast and put on sackcloth from the greatest to the least of them. Then word came to the king of Nineveh, and he arose from his throne and laid aside his robe, covered himself with the sackcloth and ashes, and caused it to be proclaimed and published throughout Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles, saying, Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock, taste anything. Do not let him eat or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth and cry mightily to God. Yes, let every one turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. Who can tell if God will turn and relent and turn away from his fierce anger so that we might not perish? Then God saw their works, that they had turned from their evil way, and God relented from the disaster that he had said he would bring on them, and he didn't do it. So after the warning, the king declared that the entire nation begged God for forgiveness, basically. And so we can also set ourselves apart to spend time with God alone just for repentance, just to get ourselves right with him, to turn away from our sin and turn to him like Jonah was doing, like the Ninevites were doing. Okay, two more. Romans 1, 1. It says, Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. So this is a different instance, right? Paul has separated himself to the gospel of God, presumably for life in this passage. And so that does a little bit away with the retirement aspect in all jobs. Paul says that he has been separated to the gospel of God as an apostle of Jesus Christ. So we can do that. We can set ourselves apart for a specific service for God that all of our time and effort is spent on that. That was Paul's sole job. He did not do anything else. So we may set ourselves apart for ministry if we feel called by the Lord to do that. This says he was called to be an apostle. So God called him to do that, and he answered the call by setting himself apart. So if we're called by the Lord to set ourselves apart for ministry, then we should do that. Although God does not call every single person to set themselves completely apart for ministry. He does ask that we all serve him and serve his people and use our gifts to his glory and for the furtherance of his kingdom, but not everyone is called into full-time ministry to set themselves aside for that completely. Okay, this is the last verse. This is 1 Corinthians 7, 5, and it says, Do not deprive one another except with consent for a time that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again so that Satan doesn't tempt you because of your lack of self-control. So this is talking to married people. Just before this, it says your body belongs to your wife and your wife's body belongs to you. And so you are not to deprive the other person of your body unless you both mutually consent to do this and you're doing it because you are doing what we're talking about here, setting yourself aside for the Lord. If you're fasting and praying only for a small amount of time. So God knows that this is a thing that people do for various reasons. And so I just wanted to read you that part. Also, just acknowledging that even married couples will set themselves completely apart to God, even denying their own partners for a small amount of time with the consent of their spouse. So what we can take away from this today is that God sets people apart for him. We're all set apart for him if we are Christians, as believers, to do service towards Him. Some of us full-time service, some of us voluntary service at different times of our lives. So let's just thank God that He has allowed us and made provision for us to be able to sometimes just deny all the things of this world for the time being in order to seek Him, in order to spend time with Him, in order to know Him better, in order to repent, in order to ask Him for help. So if that is something that you need to do right now, then ask God to help guide you in that. And then just remember that there may be times in your life where you need to just get away from everything else and just focus solely on God. But also that God knows that we can serve Him even while doing our daily jobs. The things that we have to do on this earth in order to live and survive. So that's all we have for today. Hopefully, we've only got one or two more lessons in this study of setting up their nation. So next week, we will talk about the census and how they are to camp. And then also the specific rules according to the Levites. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss that episode. Leave me a five-star review. I would greatly appreciate that. And you can also leave me comments. I'd love to know what you're thinking about this study and specifically about this lesson today. And if you'd like to email me, then my email address is Courtney at LiveThroughJesus.com. Thanks and have a good day.